the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for this 11th day of October 2023. I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsha Kvalik alongside. Marsha, how are you today? I'm I'm liking the new intro music. Like right. it like, you know, energizes us. So Marsha Kvalik confirmed not a fan of the Rolling Stones. No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, did we have to start with that? Like what I'm not a fan of? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, somebody you are a fan of is yes, our first guest. I, I was going to, you stole my my uh, transition. Anyway, my segue. Uh, calling in someone I am a fan of, Jill Upson, who's the executive director of Herbert Henderson's Office of Minority Affairs and the West Virginia Women's Commission. Welcome in. Good morning. It's great to be back with you. Uh, it's great to have you on. Um, I bet you are really 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 busy getting ready for the for the big event this week right oh my goodness my big day is tomorrow and so much work and preparation has gone into it i'm just really excited for everybody who's registered and i really hope that they get something out of it that of course is the minority business expo uh, which is happening in charleston tomorrow and uh, you sent us a copy of the program it looks like it's jam-packed really is. We've got a fantastic lineup. Uh, We've got, of course, always have dynamic speakers, but uh, part of the program that I'm really excited about are the breakout sessions. So we've got one breakout session that's called, Why is Obtaining Funding So Difficult? And this is a question that I get all the time from people. They're, you know, they're looking for grants or they're looking for some sort of investor or some way to get funding to either start a business or to expand their business without having a lot of debt. So I'm really looking forward to that particular breakout session just because I know there will be a lot of public interest in that one. And then the other breakout session that we're going to have after the lunch hour is called Do I Need a Minority-Owned Certification? So a veterans-owned certification, a women's-owned certification. What are these certifications do? to help someone who's in business. And so we just got so many great things for people, um, in addition to, of course, all of the speakers. And then we've got some Latin dance going on during the lunch hour, so adding a little twist and throwing in a little entertainment in there. So it's really going to be a nice event tomorrow. So it's also an opportunity for, for you to kind of see who's out there. Uh, I know that you said last time you were on with us that not everyone wants to register necessarily as a minority-owned or, or a woman-owned business. Uh, they just, for whatever reason, don't want that tag. So, you, you know, it's hard to nail down how many minority-owned businesses there might be in the state. So understanding the kind of interest there is in an expo like this is helpful. Right, absolutely. And so people can get those types of questions answered, you know, from other business owners who are going to be in the room. We've got over, uh, we've got 250 people registered for this. And so there will be a lot of networking opportunities and people can talk about these issues such as, does it help me more than it hurts me 
if I do choose to identify as a minority-owned business. So I, you know, am looking forward to not only this expo, but I'm looking forward to being up there in the Eastern Panhandle on April 4th for the Ramson Minority Business Expo as well. Pretty exciting stuff, and I know um, the uh, information will be coming out about how folks can sign up for that April event here in the Eastern Panhandle as well. It's a great way to network, but one of the questions that I had for you, because, you know, you've been doing this for a few years now, um, what's the scope of entrepreneurship in West Virginia when it comes to minority or women-owned businesses? Well, it's, I think right now, if, if you're looking at the post-pandemic economy, I think a lot of people have shifted away from the nine-to-five jobs and are really looking for other outlets and other ways to earn an income uh, creatively. We've got one business owner who comes every year, and she started off just having what was called, uh, she calls it soft play. So it's for, you know, new crawlers and, you know, barely toddlers. Uh, And so she was doing birthday parties and public events with that. Well, that has expanded where she has a full-blown fitness bus uh, that she brings out. Uh, And she is an African-American woman who is just absolutely out there crushing the game. And I think she is a prime example of the opportunities that are in West Virginia for entrepreneurship, uh, specifically for women and minorities. Our guest this morning is Jill Upson, and she's got uh, big doings down in Charleston tomorrow. It's the Charleston uh, Minority Business Expo. It's it's a statewide expo. It just happens to be in our state capital. And she's bringing that show on the road to uh, the Panhandle in April. But this is kind of a good test run. Hopefully you'll have just as much uh, entertainment and excitement. Um, but you know, how important is it to encourage entrepreneurship broadly uh, in, the, in the Mountain State? As you mentioned, things... Um, you know, our focus changed a little bit with the with the pandemic, uh, and folks probably realized they could work from home uh, and they could, you know, maybe start a business. Absolutely, and and I think people are realizing that you know we uh, the older generations, and I don't want to date myself here, but I mean you you went to school and then you got a job and then you worked that job for you know twenty five thirty years and then you retired. Well, that is not the, you know, the career pathway for many people anymore. And there is nothing, nothing more empowering than ownership. And so I think we really need to talk to young people about the opportunities that they have and the different pathways that they can take and earn a really good living and do meaningful work that they enjoy. Well, you talked about some of the guest speakers that are going to be at the event in Charleston. Uh, who, who are we going to expect to hear from uh, tomorrow at the event? Okay, so we're going to hear from opening up the event. We're going to hear from the reigning Miss West Virginia USA, Nevea Harmon. And she is just phenomenal in every way. And um, her talk is called Big Hair, Big Dreams. I don't know if you've seen her picture, but... <laughs> She definitely has big hair. I mean, she's absolutely stunning, and we're so excited to have her. And then we're going to hear from the Secretary of State's office who's going to talk about the One-Stop Business Center and and getting assistance with uh, filling out forms and all the things that, you know, the the business side of running a business. And then we're also going to hear from Carrie Ann Wilkerson. Now, she uh, she has the Fab House Salon that has just expanded into the Fab 
House Academy, where she's going to have a school to teach people to do what she does, uh, making women just look absolutely glamorous. Uh, and then we're going to have, of course, the, the breakout sessions. So we're going to have the Small Business Development Center. We're going to have the, uh, the regional director of the Small Business Administration is going to be here. And then our keynote speaker is Mr. Clint Arnold, who is a professor at West Virginia State University. Uh, he's been a business coach, and he teaches business courses, and he also runs a nonprofit. So uh, we have something for everyone this year. And I'm sure there will be some, you know, real talk, too, because, uh, you know, when you get business owners who have some common struggles, like you said, you know, one of the one of them being, you know, why is it so hard to get outside funding, venture capitalists um, money, you know. Um, so I'm sure there will be some some productive conversations that come from some of these shared struggles. Oh, absolutely. I think the networking is probably going to be the biggest benefit for the people who come, just going around to the different exhibitor tables. We have 55 exhibitors who will be set up there in addition to uh, the, the speakers who were slated to, to be on the program. So, uh, And then, of course, all the, you know, over 200 registrants. So there will be lots of opportunities for people to get together, put their heads together, have some discussions, just kind of uh, glean from each other the different things that they're dealing with with either running their businesses or getting their business started up. Jill Upson is with us. She is the executive director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs. She has another hat, though, and that is with the West Virginia Women's Commission. And uh, so you guys have been doing a monthly tea, talk and tea event? Yes. So the West Virginia Women's Commission was doing a, a monthly talk and tea, and it took a little summer hiatus. I got a little busy with Juneteenth, but we have revived that event. And that is a virtual event that just runs for one hour, and um, so people can just log in live, but if they're busy at work or uh, otherwise occupied, we tend to uh, post the videos of these talks. And the reason that they're important is because it's, it's all issues. All issues are women's issues, but we approach them through uh, the lens of you know, the, the struggles that women go through. And so, for example, in August, we had uh, Interim Director Rachel Saxton at the Office of Drug Control Policy. And if people have not heard her, her, her personal story is just, I mean, it just blows you away what she was able to go through uh, in addiction herself and then to come out of that addiction and now be leading you know, this, this major agency here in the state of West Virginia. So that particular talk is already posted. Uh, and then this last month, September, we had uh, Nora Myers, who's the executive director of the West Virginia Women's Business Center, which ties into the Minority Business Expo. Uh, and her video will be going up, uh, should be later today. So I just, you know, I want to mention that, that the West Virginia Women's Commission is still very active. And um, if they are missing those monthly talk and teas, uh, it'd be an opportunity to really uh, talk, uh, listen to a lot of uh, really experienced people, uh, you know, out here doing a lot of really important work. And so if they go to WVWC on Facebook, they'll be able to watch those videos. And for people that are interested in getting in touch with your office and uh, these upcoming events, like you mentioned in the Panhandle specifically, where can they go? They can go to minorityaffairs.wb.gov. 
that's the website. And then if they want to follow us on social media, the handle is at W-V-H-H-O-M-A, and that's both Facebook and Twitter. All righty. Well, thank you very much, Jill Upson, for your time this morning, and best of luck with the event coming up this week. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to be on. Take care. All right. We've got more Panhandle Live coming up in just a moment. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. And you can find them online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. Marsha, I'm a little concerned that our next guests are going to break out into song in the studio. Why would that be a concern, viewers? That should I don't know. Be, that's I just an get opportunity. that feeling. <laughs> that's an opportunity. And uh, maybe they will. I'm, I'm looking. I welcome it. As a matter of fact, as you know, it is uh, all things Apple here in uh, in the panhandle. We just had apple butter. And, of course, we're looking forward to Apple Harvest uh, Festival, which is coming up. To that end, we have some uh, wonderful students in from Martinsburg High School. The Good Times Show Choir has an annual fundraising uh, effort, and they make apple dumplings. To tell us all about it, Emerson Stark and Riley DeLeon. Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. They're both seniors at Martinsburg High School and uh, both missing a class, but it's not a bad day to miss, apparently. But welcome in, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. So uh, how early do you guys start making the dumplings? So we start making the dumplings. We just we only make them one weekend in October, mm-hmm. but we start the prep. I mean, our parents start the prep way ahead of time, at least a few months ahead of time, wow. getting... Um, we get big, huge industrial fans um, loaned to us from fire departments and um, gathering supplies and everything. It's a huge effort by all of the booster board and all of the parents. So they start that way ahead of time. We start actually making them one weekend on, in October. And this weekend, it's the weekend of the 14th, I believe. Okay, so that's coming up. Yes. So what... What, have you done this before? Because you're both seniors, right? So you've you've worked on these these dumplings mm-hmm. before. So uh, what's it like? Is it like factory work? <laughs> um, it's definitely a process. Uh, we have different stations, like the apple peeling and coring station. Then we have the dough rolling and then the stuffing and then the cooling and packaging. So it definitely takes a village. Um, but I say we have a we have a solid process. So yeah. is there a station that the seniors get to get? Like, I don't want to peel apples. <laughs> yeah. I want to do this. Right. Um, I definitely, my personal favorite is the dough rolling because uh, you get right. to like yeah. kind of play with the dough and like <laughs> roll it out and stuff. Yeah. But I'm the stage manager and the, the stage crew always gets dibs on the cooling station. So nice. that's our favorite station. But seniors always get first priority and they pick which station they'd like to be at. And then it goes down by class. So. I, I bet it smells like heaven. In oh, there. it smells yeah. so great in yeah. there. <laughs> All right. So before you guys got involved with good times, were you aware of, of how big a process and what all this meant? I'd always heard of it, especially when I was in middle school, because we were right across the street. So, and I had um, friends that were upperclassmen and that had joined Good Times, and it's always all around the community, so I'd heard of it, but it's definitely way more goes into it than I ever realized before when I was in middle school. So I definitely knew about it, and I had an apple dumpling, but mm. I never knew how much went into making them. <laughs> how much work. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. My parents would buy them from Good Times before I was in it, and I was like, these are amazing, but I never really... Yeah 
understood what went into making those little packages of apple dumplings. So it's definitely amazing. So you guys are not just slopping in like an apple, cooked apple in some some dough. This is gourmet. Talk about what they, what what do they taste like? How can you explain that? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Um, Are they cinnamony? Oh, very. A little, yeah, a little bit of everything, mostly sweet. Everything is homemade, like the dough. Yes, everything's homemade. We have the dough recipe that we've been using for over 30 years. It was someone's like grandma's dough recipe from way back in the day. So we've been using that. We have our homemade stuffing recipe that goes inside the apples after we core them and everything. So everything's homemade. It's so delicious. And if you get them fresh out of the cafeteria, they're warm. So it's amazing. But you can also heat them up. And yeah. they, they, oh they freeze my gosh. really well, too. Yeah. So oh. they freeze. Yeah. We have some stuff from I, it, our fridge yeah, from, from last year. Months ago, yeah. This is the kind of thing that would terrify the Girl Scouts. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? out stage. So, so talk about uh, the donations, obviously, the money that you guys raised from this. Uh, what is it going to get put towards? Yeah, so we have over 70 members this year, including the stage crew, the band, and the singer-dancers. So it's definitely a huge effort. We're going to be taking two buses this year instead of one like we have in the past because we have so many members and of course we'll have to reserve several more hotel rooms as well so that's going to be um a lot more money than we're used to spending on that kind of stuff so we, we're hoping to raise um $19,000 this year is our goal by making 5,544 dumplings <sighs> Mm-hmm. So. How do we arrive at the 44? Where, where, where did we reach that number? <laughs> oh, honestly, I have no, I have no, yeah, I have no idea. I have no clue. I, some show choir dad's probably like, I'm need 12. <laughs> you know, some odd random, random right. order, right? So speaking of ordering, how, how can, fo- can folks order ahead of time? How does this work? Yeah, so we sell them in the Martinsburg High School cafeteria the weekend we make them. So October 14th, starting at noon, October 15th, starting at 9 a.m., and then all week, the 16th through the 20th from about 4 to 8 p.m. At the high school. At the high school cafeteria, yes, ma'am. So, um, and then will will there be enough left over for actually selling them at Apple Harvest? Yeah, so they'll also be sold at the Apple Harvest Festival at the fairgrounds October 21st and 22nd. And they're $10 a package, and two dumplings come in one package. So in terms of the Good Time Show Choir, then when's the next time people can see you guys perform? And what are your guys' roles uh, in the show? Um, So our next performance would be Apple Harvest, which is the Apple Harvest weekend at the fairgrounds. We have a little show put together there. Um, That's just our fall show, though. So we put that together a few weeks at the beginning of the year. The first time you'll be able to see our competition show mm-hmm. is in January, and that will be our show reveal mm-hmm. of our theme reveal and our show that we'll be competing with all spring. Okay, so you can't really talk about we it, but how no. excited <laughs> are you about this? Because you guys have done show choir for yes. a while. How excited are you about the competition show for your senior year? Um, personally, I'm really excited because I feel like with the, the numbers we have this year, we're going to really be able to put a good show on on that mm-hmm. stage. And I'm, I'm really excited because we have a pretty big band, a decent-sized stage crew that knows what they're doing, and yes. a really big singer-dancer group. So I'm pretty excited for what and we're every, going to everyone in the on. group is so passionate about the show, so it's going to be a good it's going to be a good one. But they can't tell us what right. they're doing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but if someone is listening, maybe they, maybe they have a, a, a youngster coming up through the school system, what does show choir do for a kid? Well, I can just speak for myself. I won't speak for the whole group, but I know that everyone has similar experiences. 
um, coming into high school, I joined my freshman year. And of course, it was that was COVID year, one of COVID years. So it definitely got me to know some of the people in the school, even though I wasn't actually going to school. Um, I made friends that way, and I've kept the same group of friends all throughout high school. Um, we call ourselves the GT family. It's really a great family to be a part of. Everyone's very close, and um, since we're with each other all of the time, we get to know each other very well, and it's just a great family to be a part of. How about you, Riley? Um, pretty much what Emerson said. I mean, I've been a part of show choir since elementary school, and it's just been an amazing experience. You make so many amazing bonds, like outside, even outside of your school friends. Mm -hmm. It's just an amazing group to be a part of, and just going to competitions, the atmosphere at competitions is so amazing, and it's makes so many great memories. So once again, guys, before we let you go, where can people uh, buy these apple dumplings at? What are the prices and everything like that? One more time. Yes. So October 14th, starting at noon, October 15th, starting at 9 a.m., and then the 16th through 20th, 4 to 8 p.m. in the Martinsburg High School cafeteria. And um, it's $10 for a package of two. Awesome. Yum. Very good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, for Emerson Stark and Riley DeLeon of the MHS Good Time Show Choir, best of luck making the apple Thank dumplings. You. And, uh, Thank you. Best of luck with the competitions down Thank the road so as well. Much. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. We'll have more Panhandle Live coming up in just a moment here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeleysburg. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back into Panhandle Live here broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchival Building. Luke Wiggs and Marsha Gavalik hanging out with you. And Marsha, our next guest, joins us in studio. That's right. It is Berkeley County Schools Executive Director of Transportation. Get it right? Eric yep. Kiesecker. Yep. Welcome in. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. <laughs> Let's hit it right off the bat. <laughs> Bus routes have been chaotic. It's been it's been hard because some bus routes have been canceled. It's It's hard to fully staff everyone and then cold and flu season is is coming upon us so what is berkeley county schools doing well it's it is unfortunate um you know we do have to cancel some bus runs um a, a lot of a lot of things play into canceling a bus run of course we do not want to ever cancel a bus run but unfortunately we just don't have enough resources right now to cover everyone that's out and in a by resources day. you mean drivers drivers substitute yeah. drivers yes um it, it, we are experiencing um, the highest turnover uh, rate that we have ever experienced in transportation. I started in transportation 17 years ago, and it took two to three years to get on as a full-time driver. Right now, once you get trained and certified, you can walk into a full-time job. So to what do you attribute the turnover? Are you guys training these drivers and then they're going elsewhere to drive other places? No, uh not really. Um, we maybe have a few. Um, however, I, I think it's the, the forces of our economy in this area um, because all, all of us, you know, all the new plants uh, in, are vying for the same um, employees. Um, so, you know, it, before, you know, it, we could get more people to apply mm -hmm. and train. Um, now it's, you know, we're all scraping for the same employee. So you've gotten creative, uh, you know, you've, you've boosted up the, the, um, salary and the benefits and, and, uh, it, it's for all intents and purposes, a 
part-time position, but there are some benefits attached. Right? Oh, absolutely. If, if you become a full-time employee uh, for Berkeley County, um, you, and also as a bus operator, I mean, you enjoy retirement, health benefits, um, dental and I. Um, it is basically kind of a part-time job because as a bus operator, you run a route in the morning and you run a route in the afternoon. Um, and you get all of the days off uh, that students get off. Uh, it's a 200-day contract. Um, and you drive a bus 180 days. And the, the pay's not bad. No. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, through legislation last year, um, they boosted, you know, service, uh, all employees uh, in schools. Um, as a bus operator now, you'll make $135.45 a day. So in terms of I didn't grow up uh, riding the bus to school, what does a, a shortage of bus drivers look like for students? Is it, you know, fall on more stress on the parents now having to get their kids to school or do drivers have to run multiple routes and get kids earlier in the day what what does the fallout of that look like it's a combination of what you just said um uh, there's really three options um we do have drivers running other routes and helping out with those routes when they can um and then if you know we can't get it covered then it's up to the parents to take their child to school and pick them up or they can stay home and get their work from school which is disruptive. Very disruptive. Obviously, um, you know, you, you don't want to have a kid out of school. We, we just had Hal Van Meter on last month talking about, you know, each incremental group of absences could mean something detrimental down the road for the child's future. So you don't want to have it be because of extenuating circumstances outside the family's control. Um, but is it considered an excused absence uh, as long as that child can can get the work in, in trying yes. to do it at home? If if we cancel a bus run and the child does not go to school, it's an excused absence. Yes. Well, in your timeline working with Berkeley County Schools, can you also attribute some of the shortages to the growth that the area's had? I mean, there's just more kids going to school, more housing developments that pop up, which means more, more angles buses. to the routes, right? Yeah, within, within the past uh, four years, we've added approximately nine bus runs. Um, so that's nine extra employees that we have um, to get covered. Are there any extra, uh, or, I'm sorry, any specific groups of people or subsets of society that you're like, you know, we'd really like to reach out to these folks because we think they would be great drivers and maybe they just haven't thought about it. Absolutely. Uh, two of um, the more aggressive areas that we go after is stay at home moms and dads that have kids in school because it, it's perfect because they'll they'll be working while their kids are going to school and coming mm -hmm. home but they'll also be off when their kids are off you can't miss school if your parents the bus driver. exactly exactly <laughs> um and the other is um you know retirees uh, retirees make great bus operators so you've got a, a recruitment fair. Yes, we have a recruitment fair coming up October 28th from 10 to 12. Um, I, I think your listeners are hearing a lot about it because we have it advertised. Um, but it's a chance for folks to, number one, if you're thinking about being a bus operator and you're a little intimidated by the bus, come out. We're going to let you drive it. Uh, we're going to have a certified driver on the bus with you to drive around our parking lot and simulate what it is to be a bus operator. All right. I'm 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 five foot and, and a whisper, <laughs> five foot one, right? So I'm coming up and I'm, I'm like, let me drive your bus. How intimidating is that for you? For me? <laughs> We welcome How intimidating it. is it for you? <laughs> yeah. It's a challenge. No, we welcome it. Um, uh, all shapes and sizes, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can drive the bus. Um, I mean, uh, our buses are um, 
have a lot of things on them to adjust for height and uh, things like that. Do you, do you have to, as a bus driver, throw those chains on the on the on the tires in the winter? I, I yes, it's part of the test uh, to become certified. However, <laughs> I will say this: um, our county does a great job um, for inclement weather. Um, in the past ten years, I think we've only once had to put chains on. Okay. So again, let's circle back to this event because people just heard you say that you can show up if you're interested and get behind the wheel of a bus and drive it that day. Yes. So, so I mean, guess I expand again where the event's going to be. Is the, that a bucket timeline. list? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know that uh, health permitting, the legendary Bob Steele is going to be on location and yes. also potentially behind the wheel of a bus. That would what? be They're going to let Bob Steele drive a bus? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a race car driver, right? Yeah. Are you aware of this? Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, our buses have governors on them. They don't go that fast. <laughs> but yeah, it, the event will be held at um, the our, our bus depot, 88 Harlan Springs Road from 10 to 12. That's so cool. So at, we have uh, uh, light refreshments, um, um, and and we're also going to be giving away some door prizes from so, our local uh, community. And that is October twenty eighth. Our guest this morning is Berkeley County Schools Executive Director of Transportation, Eric Kiesecker. Uh, also wanted to talk about because you know, the school year is relatively new, and I know we usually have you on to talk about bus safety. So um, what's your spiel this year? Well, Bus Safety Week is, National Bus Safety Week is next week, 16th through the 20th. Um, there's a lot of good information on our website. If you go on to berkeleycountyschools.org, uh, click on the transportation dashboard or the uh, transportation icon, and it'll take you to the um, Bus Safety Week and click on there, and it t- gives you a lot of information. Um, I knew you were going to ask me that question, so I wanted to uh, Uh, make the audience aware of this information. One of the big stressors for bus operators is the fact of um, cars pass them when their stop signs are out. It's a big no-no. Last year on May 10th, all 55 counties of West Virginia participated in an illegal passing survey. On just that day, there were 156 incidences. Yes. Nationally, um, there's every state participates one day, they choose the day, but there were over, I think, 60,000 oh nationally. And that saves a driver maybe a couple minutes off their commute, like Seconds. racing around. Yeah. But, but the tragedy that tragedy. Could, if a little kid was just, you know, not, they, they think they're safe and then someone's peeling right. out around right. the bus. Yes. So we ask everyone that's on the road, you know, when you see a yellow school bus, please pay attention because, the, there's a higher percentage of tragedy at the bus stop, not on the bus, but at the bus stop. Our guest this morning is Eric Kiesecker. He is the executive director of the uh, Berkeley County Schools Transportation Department. Um, what else should we know about how you're keeping kids safe on the buses these days? Because, um, you know, obviously there's been more focus on student discipline that sometimes the kids aren't coming well prepared to you know, follow the rules on the bus. So how are you keeping students safe once they're on the bus? Well, our schools are doing a really nice job of um, at the beginning of the year teaching what what the rules are on the bus and how to behave on the bus. Um, We've had several um, elementary schools where we have taken a bus and just put it there for a couple of days and they take all of their students through the bus and, 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 
and show them what the the proper behavior is on a bus. That has really really helped. Um, there, you know, of course, there's going to be behavior on the bus. Uh, and but we have a very good discipline policy, and our principals and uh, assistant principals work great with us. And a bus driver is empowered to to get a student off of the bus route if he's disruptive or she. They're they're the first step. The bus driver is the first step because the bus driver is the one that's that's dealing with the behavior. So. Um, you know, we have a three-step process. You know, it's a verbal, then a written, and then another written that goes into the school. And then the administrator at the school will decide what the discipline is. Okay, um, you know, quick tip. If you're behind a bus and a child makes eye contact with you, do you, you smile or do you just look down? Smile. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You think he's going to say, don't look him in the well, eyes? Well, no. What if it's a, a high school kid and he's going to flip you the bird? <laughs> Then if that happens, call into the transportation department. We have a camera system that's unbelievable. <laughs> so you don't even have to say who it is. We'll just say, hey, this happened. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll take it from The there. bus driver will yeah. know. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know before we have to let you go? Uh, just, I mean, if you want to come out to our fair, we're really looking forward to this. This is the first time that we've ever done something like this. Um, we really like to see you out there. It's going to be a fun time with, uh, Bob. Um, and you know, they're going to be broadcasting country music the whole time. So just come on out. We're really looking for a big crowd. I'm just, are you going to set the the cones out and have him like do the the slalom (laughs) with the bus? They're, They're going to be, it's, they're going to drive around our lot and simulate what it is to have a bus stop. Is it possible to parallel park a bus? Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, actually, get tested on that. Is that that's part of okay. the test? Yeah. So I think I've parallel parked once in my entire life, and it was to <laughs> what, pass a, my driver's car. Test. Yeah, my car. But okay. So th- there's something for the next uh, yeah, the next invention of a bus, you know, automatic parallel yeah, parking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good gracious. And uh, uh, before we let you go, if anybody has had their interest peaked about applying uh, in the meantime, where can they go? Uh, go to BerkeleyCountySchools.org. Um, go to the top right uh, for under careers. And then BCS careers, and then you'll see a list of um, uh, all the jobs open. The substitute bus operators uh, uh, posting is always there, and just apply under there. Very good. Well, uh, Eric Kiesacker, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning, and uh, best of luck with the upcoming event. Safe driving. Thanks, Luke and Marcia. Been great. We'll take a break. We have the final segment of Panhandle Live coming up in just a moment. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Final segment of Panhandle Live, this Wednesday edition. Luke Wiggs and Marsha Gavalik here broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchhoffville building. If you missed any or part of today's show, we were joined by Jill Upson, Executive Director of the Herbert Henderson Office's Office of Minorities Affairs and West Virginia Women's Commission. Uh, that was the first segment. We were also joined by a couple of members of the MHS Good Times Show Choir, Emerson Stark and Riley DeLeon. And then you just heard from Eric Kiesecker, uh, who works with Berkeley County Schools and Transportation in uh, search of bus drivers. You can find this complete episode posted a little bit later today on our Panhandle Live Spotify pages. But again, Luke and Marsha here in studio. And Marsha, uh, a new job opportunity, it sounds, uh, for people in Washington County uh, uh, that was uh, announced yesterday. That's right. So, you know, Conair, which, you know, it, health and beauty, uh, you know, blow dryers and that kind of thing. Also, kitchen implements. They're going to be putting a big distribution center off Downsville Pike and uh, from what I understand, so the Herald Mail had the story, and uh, it could mean as many as 700 jobs over the next decade. 
Awesome. And, and it was interesting kind of bouncing that conversation off of, and this is going to be a 2.1 million square foot facility, uh, what we just heard from Eric Kiesecker about all these new positions that are being right. created in the panhandle and all these different opportunities to work. It's a good problem to have, but sometimes you have employment shortages mm-hmm. like uh, uh, the busing here in, in, in Berkeley County, but still a good problem to have having more employment opportunities in your region. Yeah, I, I know they would like to have these problems in the coal fields in, in southern West Virginia. Um, you know, the thing about the bus driving um, positions is that, you know, the flexibility that you could just sign up as a as a sub or you could take the route and it's, you know, you realize that you're, you're quote, working uh, your shift, you know, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, and then the rest of the day you kind of have um, – flexibility. If you wanted to pick up a, you know, a field trip route or something like that, you could, but all those details will be at their rec- uh, their recruitment fair October 28th from 10 to 12 at the bus garage and uh if the real Bob Steele's going to be there <laughs> and they're going to let him get behind the the wheel of a bus. Dang. Watch out people. I, I'm I'm sure there will be a Facebook live about it. <laughs> but um well th- would they let Leroy Drive the bus. Ooh, that's a good question. Because I mean, he's kind of—he's got a limited field of vision, Fleroy. <laughs> yes, you know, Fleroy's—he's got blinders on. He's—he's he's, where he's looking's where he's looking. There's not a lot of peripheral. That's right. So maybe, hard maybe on that one. Bob, yes. Fleroy, maybe not. I don't think Fleroy. He can. Pass the he can kind of stand on the side like a like a Dalmatian on a on a fire truck. There you that's, go. And then then kind of be the ornament. He can be the greeter there when the go. kids get on the bus. <laughs> Leroy can walk up and down the aisles and make sure that no kids are are staring at people out the back window like we were talking okay. about in the you last segment. You know what? Segment. Now, now I sound weird, but <laughs> I just see. I've never ever made awkward eye contact with a middle schooler. I um, and the and the dang light is just not changing, and you're stuck behind the bus. You you get how cringy that can be. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. I never <laughs> took a bus to. My mom taught at the school that I went to my entire life, so I never. Did you ride a bus growing up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I had to sit up front a few times because I'm chatty. Oh, is, is that where the is that where they <laughs> the bad kids go. the bad kids sit up front? <laughs> so the bus driver can keep an eye on you. <laughs> My best friend was on the bus. I was gonna sit and chat with her, but like we got loud, mm. and then he had to separate us, and then and then we we sat on the in the front of the bus, like across from each other, in the front. <laughs> Do you think we well, didn't you, communicate? You, and you seem like the kind of kid that that would have really devastated you. Well, at I first got, it I, did, I yeah. got the merits, I think, one time in school. Mm-hmm. I think it was like fourth grade, balled my eyes out. Uh-huh. So I, I have a feeling you reacted a similar way. Well, I so I grew up, I was the youngest. Mm. So I didn't have a lot of friends outside of the, you know, the, I had one little friend, but she wasn't in school yet. And so when I got to school, it was just outstanding that I had this little friend that I could talk to. And I just didn't stop talking. And so first grade, Mrs. Sinclair, God rest her soul, she taught me how to read, which is like life-changing. Um, uh, made me move chairs because I wouldn't stop talking to Linda Ruth. <laughs> and then on the bus, Linda Ruth was on the bus and we wouldn't stop talking. What's what's Linda up to these days? Do you have uh, any she's idea? living in California. I hope, oh. I, no, no, no. She's... Um, in the Carolinas now. I see. We'll have uh, to have her on the show living, sometimes. Living, no, we can get we don't, real, get we real don't, chatty. We don't need those stories. <laughs> <clears throat> well, 
Another thing that popped up yesterday or uh, early this morning, I should say, is a statement made by Shepherd University. I think people are a little concerned by the changes that the university Mm -hmm. made, shrinking the number of colleges they've had. But in kind of a show of uh, goodwill, Shepherd University is saying that because of the quick financial footwork that the university has made, Mm -hmm. kind of somewhat downsizing, they're in a better financial position now than they even expected to be when they made the changes. So I think it's inevitable, the comparisons, because WVU, of course, is doing rifts right now, like as we speak, reduction in force. Um, and then you've got Shepard, which had a $6 million uh, projected deficit, and they found ways to um, make up, a, my understanding is around $3.8 million of that, just through some of these changes, attrition, and uh, they are, as she, as um, President uh, Mary J.C. Hendricks, Dr. Mary J.C. Hendricks has said on our show <clears throat> and on TalkLine, they're right-sizing some of the programming that maybe didn't have as much interest. They're letting um, be taught out, as as she put it, um, and and not renewing those. So they're they're making some proactive steps. Uh, and I think the Board of Governors, uh, uh, Gat Caperton is the director of the Board of Governors, and they came out with a press release this week saying, you know, they're they're very pleased with the the progress, and uh, they're commending not only the leadership at the school but also the whole campus for getting on board with this. And we got to spend some time at Shepherd's campus yesterday. Uh, got to peek over the football field, the new mm-hmm. video board right? uh, that's going to be plugged in. Not, here soon. it's not plugged in yet. No, they had to see it was key. We asked, you know, how come they haven't turned it on yet? And they said, well, we haven't run power out to it yet. So that, that that's key from what I understand is my minimal mind as an engineer. Uh, but we got to spend some time in the store ballroom talking about some upcoming events we're mm-hmm. going to have. Just a, a a cool little spot on campus there, that little, uh, uh, what's the word you the look circle? for? Yeah, uh, with the student center, the football field, all mm-hmm. right there in one place. It, Shepherd's got a beautiful campus. Yeah, they need more parking. They do need more okay, parking. Okay, did I say that? That sounds so mean. But yeah, <laughs> every need, college needs new parking. Need, Shepherdstown needs more parking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was, it's, it was a gorgeous day to be out there. And of course, we popped into the uh, the bookstore as well, which all bookstores have that bookstore smell. They do. Yeah. And then you know you you, you I don't I don't need any pens. But you go and you look at the paper and the pens. You remember and the bookstore has been a lifesaver because it means I don't have to necessarily get creative when I'm buying my parents' Christmas presents. Shepherd gear oh, is under gotcha. the tree this mm-hmm. December. All right. <laughs> did they get a lot of WVU stuff when you were? No, in they did not. They, did they didn't, not. probably didn't need it. Cause no, because, exactly. Mm. But yeah, so uh, so yeah, we went out to Shepherd University yesterday, and that was a lovely experience. We're looking forward to some of the partnerships we are developing with uh, some of the programming there. And, uh, you know, just stay tuned for that. Um, so on TalkLine today, um, Hoppy Kerchival will be, of course, talking about some of the international events that are happening, the, uh, the tragic terrorist attacks in Israel and some of the response uh, from the United States on that. Also, he'll be talking about the Jim Justice Senate campaign. New poll numbers are out. Um, and uh, Brad McElhaney will be on to talk about those Opioid fees, the uh, the opioids opioid settlement attorney fees, and an update on the Mary Lou Retton story. Well, and that, I wanted to kind of end the show, unfortunately, on a little bit of a somber note and talk about that. We mentioned it just briefly on Panhandle Sports Live, but uh, Olympic gold medalist and West Virginia native Mary Lou Retton, uh, a post from her daughter yesterday said that she's in intensive care right now and, quote, fighting for her life. Um, they're asking for prayer, certainly, and they're asking uh, for fundraising as well. 
Uh, and somebody that uh, certainly has a, a spot in every West Virginia's heart was the first American woman to win a, the all-around gold medal in the Olympic gymnastics. And people forget, and I thought this was great reporting by Jarrett Lewis, that her dad was on the WVU basketball team that came up a point short of winning a national championship. So, Marsha, a little bit of a somber way to end the show, but on Metro News, there's an opportunity to donate. Uh, and, of course, they're asking for prayers for, for Mary Lou. And it begs the conversation about you know access to insurance mm-hmm. and if someone like Mary Lou Retton doesn't have insurance what does that mean I just uh, saw it on someone's Twitter feed uh, Darren Rovell uh, is reporting more than and I, I have no way to confirm this more than 3,000 donors have donated 148,000 plus to the campaign wow. to help pay for her bills well, I know that you know all the money that she gave to the community there in Fairmont Mary Lou Retton Park of course I got to play on that field growing up. Uh, for baseball, uh, what she'd done to the community and what she meant to West Virginians. And so hopefully she's able to pull through our thoughts and, and for those willing prayers are with her. And uh, there's an opportunity, correct, on the Metro News article that was posted today to find that uh, position to donate. Yeah, and, you know, she's a West Virginia treasure. Um, so obviously we want good outcomes for her and, and her and her four daughters as well and the folks who love her. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for us in this edition of Panhandle Live. Uh, Stay tuned because at the top of the hour, we'll have Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival. If you missed any or part of today's show, you can find it a little bit later on in our Panhandle News Network Spotify pages. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I said settle down, settle down, everything is fine. Take your eyes off the floor. She said no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not all right. I lost my head on the door. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.